This new lawsuit claims this Jeep feature is the cause of death wobble. Is it true? And if window tint and your Jeep are soon to meet, then you won't want to miss Tech Talk. And don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. And it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform you and entertain you while we talk about, what is it? What is it? Jeeps. Rubicons. (laughs) Tammy should have said black Jeeps. Yeah. Oh, good idea, Tony. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, blogger, vlogger, and unemployed. Hey, I'm Josh, and I'm about to lose my effing mind. (sighs) Howdy, it's Wendy, and what's that clunking sound? I'm Tony, and well, I don't want to jinx it, uh, but I received the following message. Be prepared to accept wondrous opportunity in the days ahead. My question to you is, should I trust a fortune cookie? Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. So pretty much ever since the release of the new generation of Wranglers, there has been a resurgence of death wobble complaints. In the beginning, it was first deemed more or less normal, since this was a solid axle off-road vehicle after all. Well, then more and more complaints rolled in, and from people who were merely test driving a completely bone stock new model Jeep. Oh, it's probably the steering stabilizer, they said. We'll just do a little recall and take care of that. Nope, that didn't work, and the complaints kept coming. It's appeared as if the newly redesigned Dana front axles were apparently not playing nice with the new Jeep steering and suspension geometry. How dare they? So, whose fault is it? The axle maker or the automaker using the axle? Well, we may soon find out, since a new lawsuit points the finger at one of Jeep's subsystems. But I'm throwing a flag on the play. This week, a new class action lawsuit was filed against FCA for allegedly knowing that its sway bar disconnects are faulty but taking no action to address the issue and continuing to sell vehicles equipped with the failure-prone systems, all while denying warranty-covered service. Replacing the sway bar disconnects control module out-of-pocket is said to cost upward of $1,500 in parts alone. That's before labor costs. And in this latest case, the plaintiff Josh Flores claims he took his 2018 Ram 2500 Power Wagon into various dealers to have his non-functional sway bar disconnect system, system serviced after it had failed. He rounded up other owners of FCA products with similar malfunctions to organize the suit, which implicates the following vehicles. 2007 through 2017 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon JK and JKU models, 2018 through 2020 Jeep Wrangler Rubicon JL and JLU models, the 2020 Jeep Gladiator Rubicon JT, and the 2005 through 2020 Dodge or Ram 2500 Power Wagons. For those not in the know, electronic sway bar disconnects allow the operators of select Jeep Dodge and Ram products to disengage and re-engage their vehicle's sway bars from inside the cabin. Disconnecting the sway bar allows for greater suspension articulation over rough terrain, enhancing off-road capabilities, while reconnecting the sway bar improves on-road handling and stability. It's the latter of all of that. The reconnecting part, or the lack of it, is at the core of this issue. 
In theory, electronic sway bar disconnects offer drivers the best of both worlds, but according to the suit, the system design puts it at risk of premature failure even on late model vehicles. To all of this, and specifically to the pansy-ass plaintiff in this case, who I might add is giving Josh's a bad name everywhere, is that sway bars, or even a lack thereof, do not control, dampen, or otherwise have any direct effect on the back-and-forth forces in an axle seize in the throes of a death wobble. The anti-sway system on any Jeep, albeit connected to the axle, or on pivot points that are attached to the body of the vehicle via links, each with their own pivot point, and are joined by a common bar known as the sway bar that travels laterally across the vehicle connecting one side to the other. Even though there is a distinct and drastic change in the handling of a Jeep when the sway bars are disconnected, it is entirely in the realm of body roll, or how much the sway bar sees as the vehicle goes around a corner. Now, I fail to see how this in any way can be the cause of something like death wobble, which occurs to the axle not the body, as you travel in a straight line, not around a corner. I have been driving my Jeep for no less than eight years without any kind of sway bar whatsoever, not in the front and not in the rear either. And I'm not talking about merely being disconnected. No, 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 no. They're gone. In fact, removing the sway bar, the rear sway bar, was one of the first mods I did to the damn thing nearly 15 years ago. At least two or three of those years were daily driving, including lots of freeway speeds without sway bars in the likely 50,000 miles or more that the Jeep has seen since both sway bars were removed. Guess how many, many times I've had death wobble? Once. And it was because I had sheared my track bar off the frame after a rigorous <laughs> day in the rocks and had ratchet strapped it together with enough just to limp home at 40 miles per hour. But not once has the lack of sway bars left me with any feeling of death wobble in any way, shape, or form. And if this Josh Flores character knew the first thing, or knew the difference between his ass and a hole in the ground, I think we could avoid these misinformation spreading, frivolously filed, fear-mongering, I need attention, mommy tells me I'm special, and my feelings have been hurt because the truck daddy bought, me, bought for me isn't as cool as I want it to be class action lawsuits and the bad reputation they spread. I have a half a mind to counter sue this jackass just on principle alone. Look, driving a vehicle without sway bars is not for everybody, and most may consider it unsafe. And yes, to a certain degree, it is true. It means you actually have to pay attention to what it is the hell you're doing and what is going on 10 vehicles ahead of you on the freeway. It's not for the weak-willed. It's not for the weak-minded or anybody who thinks that lane departure warning technology is the best thing since sliced bread. I know there are countless Jeepers out there who drive all the time disconnected and have never experienced death wobble either. So if you're with me, Sound off, Jeeper. Call in and let the world know that you wheel and drive disconnected because in the end, it's just a matter of knowing how and because we can and they just wish they could. No, Josh, uh, one smells like dirt. That's how you can tell. <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> you know, Josh, I noticed you mentioned sliced bread, since sliced bread. Did you know that uh, sliced bread didn't happen until after Betty White was born? So... She was literally uh, before sliced bread. She would actually understand that statement better than any of us. We need to get her on the show. It would There's, be that would be, be good. Get. Yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> oh, I, Betty White's been around for two hundred and fifty years. I bet she's yeah. driven a jeep. Dang it, uh, she, she her, has to have. Her signature is on the Declaration of Independence. It's a it's a little known fact. It's down so, there a little ways, but <laughs> you can see it. So, what, Josh, what do you think? Why, why are they, why do you think they're doing this class action? Is it, is it like the steering stabilizer thing that gets rid of, rid of death wobble? Is it just misinformation? They're, no, they're not informed. They're 
hoping well, for a payday. I, What's I going think on? You you actually hit the nail on the head there with the with the not informed. I, I think this is somebody who was genuinely butthurt, who has way more money than sense, and who decided to hire a whole team of lawyers who do know nothing but to say yes. And we'll take your money and sure, we'll file this lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Now, everything that I have been researching on this particular suit, even though it's like less than a week old, I have not been able to see any official response from FCA yet. Um, so th- it may be that they're just kind of like, yeah, right. Okay, sure, buddy. Uh, you know, and, and it's going to pretty much just let this fizzle out because it doesn't have a chance in, in hell of, of standing up in court. Um, I, the physics just aren't there. Uh, honestly, I, this, if, if they had had any kind of a team of engineers, um, you know, take a look at this guy's suit, um, they would instantly see like, no, 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 this is not how that works. Um, and no, you cannot do this. So uh, look, more power to you for trying, trying to be the, the, the king who put the nail in the coffin to death wobble. Um, but, but it it just ain't you guy. Uh, and this ain't it. Well, that's a shame. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, you know, I was looking, uh, I was listening to an episode we did a while back, and it, you probably remember this about the uh, the lawsuit that was brought against Jeep on the gas tank placement. Oh yeah, we you know we we uh, covered a lot of story. On yeah, that. and uh, I, I think that um, it's it's lawsuits like successful lawsuits like that that make these upcoming lawsuits, you know, in the mind of people possible. That well, look, you know, there's a difference between, uh, you know, you got rear-ended and, and little Timmy died in a, in a fiery, you know, fireball you know, crash of death, you know, to I got scared on the freeway because the steering wheel shook a little bit. You know, there, there's a massive difference there. And, and, and so, I mean, yeah, I mean, death wobble has been around for decades. Yes, it is the bane of Jeep ownership. Um, <laughs> does it happen to every single Jeep? No. Uh, can it be avoided? Is this, you know, an issue? Sure. Uh, is this a solution? God, no. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. This, this guy just comes across to, this whole issue, this whole facet of this particular lawsuit. It, it just, it screams idiocy. And, and I just, it, it riles me up to no end. You know, uh, I bet you that uh, uh, because I was replacing parts on my Cherokee is the reason why I've never had death wobble on mine because I was upgrading so I, I think that uh, for the listeners out there, you should know that if you have 100,000 miles on your, on your Jeep and you have a solid front axle, you might want to get underneath there and start looking for parts that are moving, uh, shifting slightly and replace them or have them replaced. And uh, you probably won't have death wobble either. Very you know, good. I think the other thing with this lawsuit is that it, if people just read the headline, they're assuming death wobble equals jeep or jeep equals death wobble and i think that's the other problem is that these attorneys don't care it's all about the money and you know it's gonna probably be dead in the court system soon but the bottom line is what's the publicity and what's the damage you know sort of right you know it just it's it's very sad well just about every automaker around the globe has felt the effect in one way or another or in some form or another of the outbreak of the COVID-19 virus. For some it was merely supply chain issues and for others it was full-scale shutdown. As a result, new vehicles intended to be debuted or released in the coming months have been delayed. Jeep is unfortunately not excluded in this. In a web-based press release yesterday, FCA said that it would be delaying production of the new 2021 Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Cherokee by three months. FCA estimates that both vehicles will still reach the market sometime in 2021, though. And news of the delays come as FCA, among other automakers, have begun examining ways to resume production across North America and abroad. 
In the webinar, the manufacturer said that it would probably progressively restart production at factories in the U.S. and Canada as early as May 4th and as late as May 18th. May the 4th be with you. There um, we go. So uh, I think this is great. This is great news. I'm glad to hear that uh, they're still going. They, they got plans. Nothing's changed. And, and that's the way we should look at this thing. This is just a, a bump in the road. And, and really, as more and more information is coming out, it looks like that bump probably shouldn't have been uh, much of a bump. Much like a Jeep going over a speed bump on a, uh, a, on a street with too many busybodies. <laughs> well, look, I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I, I'm kind of of the camp to where, you know, a, a vehicle model year should be that model year. Yes. I don't want to see a 2022 Jeep coming out in October of 2021. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's just that that's not that's that's still a 2021 Jeep. To my, you shouldn't be able to get a 2022 vehicle until January 1st, 2022. I'm sorry. That's just, yep. it's just, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's confusing. It's, it confuses me. It confuses the people down confusing. in AutoZone. Uh, I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. the, don't forget, don't get me started on the half years. Now, but uh, <laughs> seriously. But uh, no, so when I hear about a three-month delay, I'm like, eh, I, you know, eh, yeah. I don't, it's, it's really yeah. not that big of an issue. I don't, you know, maybe that might uh, set a new precedence for things. I, I don't know. Now, I know that the dealers are probably like, you know, clamoring. It's like, God, we got to get the new vehicles. Yeah. And, and it, everything. Especially you know? so, now. They want I, something new to show. Right. Sure. And, and believe me, there's a lot of the renderings and, and, and promo pics that I've seen uh, um, uh, of what these vehicles are going to look like are actually pretty nice. Uh, so, yeah, people <laughs> definitely want to get their hands on them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a three month delay, I really don't think is going to be any more than a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things. You know, the bottom line is, is if you're a Jeeper, uh, you're going to buy a Jeep as long as it is a, uh, still a well-made vehicle. And if you got to wait a little bit, fine. If it's not in the, the exact model year that, that you're buying, that'll be fine because it's a Jeep. Uh, but I do agree with you. I, I, I really think things should be coming out well, January 1st. And honestly, I mean, I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to pretty much put two and two together and understand that there are likely going to be incentives like we, we've never seen before oh, to yeah. sort of yes, make up for the, for the so. glut that we've seen. Um, mm -hmm. So you're going to see, you know, employee pricing. You're going to see 0% financing. You're going to see all sorts of uh, additions and add-ons and, and upsales that ordinarily would add thousands to the price are now going to be thrown in or are going to be offered at substantially discounted rates. So um, yeah, there's just going to be a lot of stuff that's going to really make people want to buy vehicles here in the coming months. So, and they're going to do everything they can uh, to, to really capitalize on that. Oh, and they're well, actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and they're also competing with every single other automaker out there. It's not just a Jeep thing or, you know, this no, particular brand is slowed down. It's every single person out there is going to be clamoring. Right. Well, what car do I want? What deal can I get? So I keep reading about how the used car market is going to crash. There is going to be so many used cars out there. And, and that's going to be a, a, a huge competition to the new vehicles. Because if you can get a, a, a good used low mileage Jeep, uh, which mm -hmm. I, I don't know about a Wrangler being ever being cheap, but if you can actually get a cheap one, that that's going to be a huge disincentive to buying a new one. I mean, if you could get a, a, a Wrangler uh, like a JK or a JK a late model JK JKU uh, for sixteen thousand dollars, my God, could you imagine that? There's just no way you can compete with a thirty-six or forty thousand dollar vehicle. 
Well, I mean, it really wasn't all that long ago where we had the whole cash for clunkers thing going on. I mean, sadly, yeah. yes. So, I mean, are we on the precipice of another oh, one of these car allowance rebate system BS programs that they're going to throw together at us to, you know, uh, usher in a whole new age of electric vehicles or something? I don't, I don't effing know, but, but I mean, you, I, I feel you, Tony. It kind of feels like we almost could be on the verge of another cash for clunkers type of uh, uh, program. So wow. I, I don't know, man. Would would that be the 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 spur? Would that be the the fire lit under America's butt to to you know convince everybody to get out and go buy a new car? I, yeah, geez, no, I don't know, man. Not right now. There's a lot of people no, out of work. Not, so. Well, not right now. No, but no. Well, yeah, well, maybe at the end of the summer. I don't know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Well, if you got a response or a news tip, anything you'd say about any one of our news stories, be sure to let us know what you got to say by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we're always asking you to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network, and it's for good reason, too. There's a ton of great shows there to check out besides ours. And Hey, be sure to tell your friends. We, we know they've reached the end of Netflix, too, and are looking for some fresh content. <laughs> We've got something for everybody at 4x4radionetwork.com. The 4x4 Radio Network website has the On the Trail podcast. Trail Chasers, the Center Steer podcast, and the 4x4 podcast are all right at your fingertips, too. Lots of great off-road shows, and it's all for free. Did I mention that we're there, too? It's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. I want to take a minute here and talk to you uh, you folks about welding. Um, you know, I've been eyeballing a Hobart 220-volt uh, MIG welder for a while now. Good brand. Is it? I, I was hoping yes. so. I mean, I've, I've had uh, uh, folks tell me about other brands and stuff like Miller, and and I don't, I don't disagree. I think Miller's fine, but... I'm not going to be welding that often. I would just like to have one, learn, teach myself how to weld, have one. And, and this one uh, that I looked at, I was, uh, I was looking at the 220 volt because, you know, you can uh, weld a little bit thicker metal. And, uh, but anyway, uh, it's like 700 bucks, which is a lot of money. But uh, to, just to have that ability to, to fix things on your own, uh, as uh, the, the listeners, and I'm sure, Josh, you know, I have several things mm-hmm. that I need to weld on my Jeep. Not that they're broken, weld stuff on. I've got a, a belly pan for a long arm kit that needs to be welded to my Jeep that I think I'm going to have done, but I just don't like having other people do things, uh, do things to my Jeep. Uh, a very, it's a very small select group of individuals that I'll allow to, to do things to my Jeep. So uh, as I mentioned, I know nothing about welding, but that doesn't usually stop me from learning or, or teaching myself, uh, especially nowadays with YouTube. But uh, I need your help. I've decided on the welder, but what about the shielding gas? Uh, I'm pretty good at Google searching, but welding supply doesn't seem to get me the results I'm looking for. Also, does $380 sound right for a bottle with argon and CO2? I mentioned those two gases because from what my uh, uh, poor searching abilities for welding has found me, is that, that seems to be the most common gas combination. Um, so uh, I, I want to hear from you. And uh, we'll share your comments and recommendations here on the show. Not only help me, but some other wannabe welders out there. Head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to let me know what you think about uh, beginning to weld. Now, Josh, I know there's a lot of things that you have to have along with a welder. you got to have a hood. you got to have uh, gloves. I know. We're not going to dive into that. I, you know, we want to hear from the listeners out there. You know, I know we've got some fabricators uh, who will listen to the show religiously 
who work with metal for a living um, and, you know, do all sorts of stuff, even like ironwork and stuff like that. So um, we want to hear from those guys out there, especially if you're a pro. Uh, if you do this for a living, then we definitely are going to, uh, you know, respect what you got to say. Um, definitely good advice coming from you guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a part-time Jeep, you know, part-time Jeep fabricator, you got a little something set up in the garage, uh, feel free to share with us what works, what doesn't, and, you know, what you've learned along the way. What about you, Wendy? Do you do you do any welding? Do you is that a, a skill that you'd like to have? Uh, I think I would like to learn. I've never done it. Uh, I think it would be kind of fun to learn, but we haven't had an opportunity necessarily to make that happen. But I might have to bring that up, put that on my wish list. You know, I have a set of uh, sliders on my Jeep that uh, they're a little different than the, the typical ones that you have to uh, to weld on. It mm-hmm. uh, it requires plug welds. And the plug welds aren't in there because I don't have a welder. Uh, I mean, it still it, it's it still works as a a very it's it's really nice from the standpoint of protecting uh, the rockers uh, when I'm off road and protecting from door dings uh, when I'm in a parking lot because uh, mm-hmm. you know the slider sticks out there. But it actually or the ha- random lane change in the middle of the freeway. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, whatever. It, it actually has <laughs> helped. Random, in that, you know, ha- helped in that case. It's funny too because people I th- I think they don't understand that. And they, I think they use their uh, their vehicles as weapons because they want to get into your lane, even though even though they they know full well that they that lane is occupied, but they're going to bully their way in. Come on, I, you know, come on down, and they just <laughs> boop and bounce off. They usually hit the tires before they uh, uh, hit the uh, the slider, but on on some occasions they have, and they get all this their side of their vehicles all messed up from this really thick metal. So. Uh, it's sad in a way, but you know, you you uh, play dumb games, you get dumb prizes. It's sad in a in a funny ha ha kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but anyway, I uh, I really look forward to uh, getting a welder, and I'm really looking forward to hearing from you guys and helping uh, me out and some other uh, listeners out there. Coming up at Tech Talk, from installation to removal and everything in between, we begin a two part series in window tent. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. In episode 433 during Campfireside Chat a couple weeks ago, we talked about everyone's favorite kind of wheeling. There are so many places you can take your Jeep, in the sand, the mud, on the rocks, on the beach, or on dirt roads through water crossings, and on the asphalt, or even to the mall. And there's no right answer or wrong answer. I have these videos on my YouTube channel, jeepmama.com is my blog, and you can just search Jeep Jeep Mama for the YouTube channel. And of all the places I've wheeled my Jeep, there are two videos that always seem to get those negative comments. And the negative comments are, that's not a real trail. Well, I would have to beg to differ. In my opinion, a trail doesn't have to be difficult with rock obstacles on it to be a trail. And it's okay if you only like to wheel on those easy trails. We all have different likes and dislikes. Well, we were at the rooftop tent rally hanging out with Dan Greck from The Road Shows Me. He said something that struck with me. During his adventure in Africa, he realized that it's good to be more inclusive of people and we need to do that here in the jeep community to be more accepting of other people's wheeling preferences just because you don't rock crawl doesn't mean you're not a true jeeper during the past six months i have found i really enjoy those 
not real trails. I still love those adrenaline pumping trails, but to be out in my Jeep checking out the natural beauty of nature does wonders for my soul, even if it's on the blacktop. So I wanted to share with you some tips. Tips to finding those out-of-the-way, not trails. The first tip, with all the hustle and bustle of today's world, well, yesterday's world, I had forgotten about those scenic byways my parents used to take us on. So you can just Google scenic byways and find some really great blacktop road trips. There is one in Moab, and it parallels the Colorado River out to the top of the World Trail, and it's absolutely beautiful. Another tip, if you're not in a hurry and you're trying to get from one place to another and you use Google Maps to get to your location, go into your settings and click the Avoid Toll Roads and Highways. There could be some cool discoveries you might make on these back roads. Neil and I did back last fall when we were in Arizona. We discovered Area 66, the actual site of the alien crash in 1953 before the military, military scooped up the spacecraft and alien bodies. So another source is trailsoffroad.com. This website is cataloging trails all over the U.S., it will give you information such as length, difficulty, location, elevation, duration of the trails, plus a map with the waypoints and pictures that have directions and mileage. Now, another spectacular blacktop ride is outside of Gunnison, Colorado, on Highway 92 through the Black Canyon National Park. There's a video of it on my, my YouTube channel. Now, if you're afraid of heights or ledges, it's a pretty intense ride. Another one is Mesa Verde National Park in Colorado. It is said to be one of the most scenic drives out there. Mm-hmm. Some more back road tips. Head over to the official Trans-American Trail website. The link will be in our show notes. The founder, Sam, has been mapping public back roads and forest roads all over the United States for decades. He still is, and right now, or he was, up in Minnesota, the Minnesota area, mapping. Now, when he originally mapped these roads back in the 80s, they were all gravel, but now some have been been paved over time. The trail was originally designed for motorcyclists, but, but Jeepers all over the world are coming here to begin to use these trails. It's a great way to get away from the big cities and get a look at America's country roads. You can also hop on Amazon.com and search for back roads and four-wheel drive trails. These are guidebooks for Colorado, Arizona, California, and Moab. The guides have tons of photos that show the scenery as well as trouble spots on the trails. There are tips and advice from local experts to help get you through the trails. These trails are BLM approved and are legal routes. Now, these are just a few tips I have learned over the past several months as I've begun to adventure outside of the East Coast. And there are so many great back roads and scenic byways and trails out there. I would love for you to share with us your favorite not trails that you've come across in your adventures. That's really good information, Tammy. I just wrote down some things to check out myself. That's awesome. Yeah, and don't forget historic Route 66, um, which I mentioned 
I don't know, a couple episodes ago, there's going to be a video on my YouTube channel coming out this Sunday about this eight-mile st mile stretch between Kingman, Arizona and Oatman, Arizona. Um, I did a little bit of screaming, but I, I held <laughs> back on the swearing because um, I kind of got scolded for my F-bomb. So I'm trying to hold back because I know there are kids that are watching my videos. Uh, that's... <laughs> They're not supposed to be. I mean, if you've got your YouTube set up for, you know, 18 or older, um, you've done your due diligence. Well, I'm just, you know, you know me. I try to please everybody. Yeah, it's kind of the reason why so I I've, mentioned that is that, you know, you, you need to be you. Yeah. You're the only way you're going to find your audience, and that and that's what we're doing here, is we're being ourselves. Right. And, and we're going to find our audience. There's going to be people that don't like us. They don't like the format, so on and so forth. But there's going to be a bunch of people that do. So you got to be yourself. Right. And uh, hope for the best. Yep, you're right. You know what? You're I right. want to share something with lots, you, Tammy. Lots of beeps in the videos. Tammy, I want to share something with you. I was uh, We were on oh, a trail yeah. this week, and it was super high up. I know how you don't like the heights. <laughs> and I said, yeah, to my, yeah. I said to Bill, oh, my gosh, Tammy would be losing it right about now. I mean, the road's barely yeah. wide enough to get on, and you, could, you can't even see to the bottom. It's sort of the sheer sort of factor. Oh, yeah. And I was no, just thinking, no, oh, no. she would she'd be like, I'll walk this section. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was thinking yeah, exactly. About you. What trail was that? Uh, it's Horse Thief Flats up here in Big Bear. So oh, I saw so that pretty. video from okay. uh, 411. Uh, uh, yeah, video. Don. Yeah. Yeah. Horse. Don posted it. It was pretty cool. Horse, Horse, Horse Thief, Thief flats. flats. Yeah, it's kind of a, you go in, it's a flat area. There's a natural spring down there and then you get back out. But climbing down into that and then climbing back up, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's not too difficult. They call it a black diamond, but you didn't need a spotter. It was just really sort of rough, but there are definitely sections where that road is super narrow and the cliff down. And I'm thinking, mm -hmm, this is just not for Tammy. Isn't, <laughs> yep. uh, isn't Horse Thief Flats, that, that area that the, the first time Jeeper, the first time Jeep owner uh, took off and yep. went off road That's and, it. and got yep. stuck? Yeah, She I got stuck so. on that trail. You remember yep. that one, Josh? Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I remember my horse getting stolen out there once. Yeah, that sounds like a horrible place for a horse thief. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because when you look at the area, there was actually a mining camp. Don was sharing with us a story, and you just think to yourself oh. of the how harsh it was to get supplies down in oh, there yeah. and then to get the materials back out. I mean, I'm sure at one point the road was imagine. probably a bit smoother because the rocks are pretty tough, but it was uh, it's an interesting trail. So I think the, uh, the Jeeps back then just had a two-slot grill, and uh, they made a donkey sound. <laughs> yeah, I think it was there four. It was it was four donkey power. Four four leg <laughs> drive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the ultimate four wheel drive. How does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com/contact to find out how. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now, and I figure I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit. Jeep talk show in my ear holes indeed. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yeah, I'm really sorry, Tammy, but purple tint sucks. Oh, no. Now, as, 
Oh, <laughs> shame on you. It does. I know. It really I know. does. <laughs> uh, somebody who worked is probably. <laughs> it looks I, like I, the, I the renders were rolled out and some, and some vape comes out of the sides, you know. <laughs> you can knock in, but you can't come in. <laughs> now, somebody who's worked in the, as a professional in the automotive aftermarket industry for over a decade and who still does regular vehicle modification work on the side, I can speak with confidence about a topic that many take for granted every day. And that's window tint. If you own an older Jeep, like maybe a YJ Wrangler, for instance, and it has tinted glass windows, well, then chances are the tint has likely faded over time, or maybe has shifted from a black to some shade of purple, or maybe just has some unsightly bubbles in it. Any purpling, bluing, or bubbling of any kind in any tint is a sign that the tint and or its adhesive has broken down and it needs to be removed and replaced. Pretty much all tint will eventually break down in some way over time, but the quality of the tint will determine how long this will take and to what degree. High-quality tint may outlast the vehicle, and low-quality tint may not make it 10 years. Automotive window tinting is one of those things that is regulated and controlled rather strictly and differently by state by state. So I'm going to avoid getting into specifics like percentages and brands and, and what windows you can and cannot put a tint on, and for information like you know how dark of tint you can have or what are, are what windows are okay to put how much tint on, I'd recommend talking with your local state patrol, inspection station, or local window tinting professional to get the particulars for your particular state. Okay, now, you may not be a window tint pro, and, you know, a lot of us really aren't, and we've all seen what those auto parts store-supplied backyard tint jobs look like. No thanks, am I right? So, we're going to leave the uh, tinting to those who do it best and offer a warranty behind their work and the films that they use. In fact, that's worth talking about because we don't really want you getting screwed in this process. So if you think that you can do it yourself and think it will turn out looking like a million bucks for the life of the rig, think again. There are tricks of the trade and techniques that you and I can only come close to duplicating. So let's not screw up the thing that we have to see through every day as we drive a vehicle. The guys who know what they're doing and who, who you can trust will work with films that offer a 10-year or a lifetime guarantee against fading or hazing at a minimum. And any reputable shop should offer a lifetime installation guarantee. If the guy you found on Craigslist doesn't do this, well, then just call somebody else. Although the nation's number one top-rated tent manufacturing company is offering pre-cut templates for virtually any vehicle, making it almost plug-and-play, I would honestly stay away from installers who use these. If something were to happen in either the shipping of the kit or in, during the installation, they have to get rather ingenuitive to make a fix happen, and by that point, you're always going to be able to see it and the install will forever be compromised. Window tint is actually extremely easy to crease and is fragile before it's bonded with the glass. So anything honestly can happen between manufacturing and installation. That's why the installers who use high quality film from a roll are the best to use. If they screw up, it's on them. And they'll just take a fresh pull from the roll to redo said window that got screwed up. Prices are going to vary, as will selection state by state, but stay away from any shop that doesn't have at least two kinds of film to choose from. Colored, mirrored, and gradient tints will all degrade faster over time than a high-quality black or carbon tint, so just be warned if you're trying to do a, a, a color theme type of thing. Outside of that, I cannot make specific recommendations since things are going to vary so much state by state. I will say this, though. If your Jeep doesn't already have tinted windows, then, uh, then tinting your Jeep has so many benefits that it's one of those things that you really should consider moving up on your mods list. From UV protection to temperature reduction, and from style points to additional security, having your Jeep's windows tinted has way more pros than it does cons. 
In the next episode, I'm going to teach you guys how to save hundreds of dollars on your tent job by removing an old, degraded, or poorly installed tent job from the windows of any vehicle, including your Jeep. I uh, I love window tinting. In fact, I think um, my uh, my I guess my second vehicle uh, I uh, went put window tinting. And you know the and I've told this story before. So I got the window tint. I peeled the the backing off and I stuck it to the the, the glass. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. <laughs> and I went, what the hell is this? Huh. I can't, that doesn't look like all those cool stuck. cars I've seen. <laughs> I can't move it. It's stuck to the glass. Oh, son of a bitch. And I pulled it all off and got the, the razor blade and got it off there. And then I went and bought another, you know, uh, one of those rolls that you you would buy in the box. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it came home and went, damn it. All right. Where's the instructions? Oh, soapy <laughs> <RCSM>. water. <laughs> Squeegee. This is starting to make sense. Yeah. Typical guide and not read the instructions first. <laughs> and I still do don't. It damn it. <laughs> I was going to say, did you learn your lesson? No. no. no, no. Damn it. I can, I'm a man. I can figure it out. So uh-huh. anyway, uh, once I got that uh-huh. soapy water on there, oh, so easy. But it is very difficult to cut accurately. Um, and uh, because, you know, it wants to go over the frame of the, of the window and, and, it's re- and you don't want to cut exactly where you think it needs to be cut. You want to leave some there so you can. Because there's going to be shrinkage. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, and also too, you just, uh, you want to get as close as possible so you can get as, as accurate a cut as you possibly can. But, uh, and, and with this in mind, that was the most difficult part for me of tinting a window uh, on a vehicle, so the the when I saw that uh, you mentioned it here in your uh, uh, your story about the uh, the companies that will do will cut the window tent to match to actually fit the window, and uh, I found a place on eBay uh, and ordered some uh, for my wife's TJ, and oh my God, it's just wondrous because the hardest part is making sure that it's warm enough outside, it's not real windy at the time, and squirt that. Uh, soapy water on there and just move that thing around and check all the edges and then make sure that uh, nobody rolls the window down for a few days uh, to, uh, to yeah, screw it there up. You go. <laughs> but you're right. Now, the I, creasing I, is really simple. Yeah, it's very, very easy. Okay, so if, if you're going to be like Tony, you're going to do it yourself. Or if you're looking um, a little bit more into details of you know how the people are doing it, the pros are doing it, I'm going to kind of uh, fill you in on a little bit of a trade secret. And I'm probably going to be pissing off a lot of uh, window tinters by saying this. Um, But, you know, one thing that will stand out um, among a lot of the old school tinters, the guys who have been doing this a lot longer than the Johnny Come Lately, who's got the bro dozer, who's just trying to make a buck, um, is the kind of materials that they use. And I'm talking about the actual materials they use for the installation itself, not the tint itself. Um, so, you know, rubber and plastic squeegees, um, you know, versus wood or, uh, um, things like, you know, uh, uh, Bondo, uh, uh, Bondo scrapers, um, instead of, uh, instead of uh, squeegees or razor, razor blades. Um, the other thing you want to look for is the soapy water. If they're using Johnson and Johnson's baby soap, the, 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 you know, the no tears shampoo. Um, honestly, that is what all of the pros are going to be using if they're not using that, they're honestly just using whatever uh, is recommended by the manufacturer or what they were taught by some school or something like that. And it is honestly not the best thing to use. The reason why the pros are using the Johnson & Johnson's baby shampoo uh, is because it is, you know, that it's that no tears formula. It doesn't leave anything behind. Um, there's almost nothing oh, left behind when, when, you, when, you, 
You mix it with water. You got to do it at the right ratio. And I'm not going to give away the recipe, so I'm not going to piss too many people off. But but that's the key, honestly, is the Johnson and Johnsons, and 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 that's what the pros are using. That's what the guys who've been doing this for 20 or 30 years have been using, or, or longer. Um, and if they're not using that, then honestly, I, I would you know consider moving on to somebody else because they they just don't know what they're doing. Oh, and don't forget to clean your surface because whatever's there, it's going to look like a bug trapped in amber. Uh, so <laughs> a speck of dust. Yes. I'm not joking. He's he's not he's not kidding. It, literally a speck of dust. That one tiny little you know fraction of a cat hair. That little piece of of lint off of your off of your shirt. I mean, and, and we're talking a microscopic hair that you ordinarily couldn't see unless it's like on a black piece of paper in the right light. Um, and that will show up like a giant diamond ring scratch in your glass <laughs> um, if you don't take care of it. So, I mean, you know, if you don't have the right means to do the tint right, you're going to end up with a poor, poorly installed product. But I'll mention this, uh, and I don't know what the going rates are now. It may be higher or lower than this, but when I compare $80 to $15 and, and 30 minutes of my time uh, because I've got the pre-cut. <laughs> I'm going with the $15 and the hair. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. just cheap, man, because <laughs> no, ain't, no, ain't nobody going to see it but me, and I can, I can control myself. I'll mention, Prices are, go ahead. I'll mention there's one, one, one more thing about this. I saw a video the other day of, a, I think it was a CJ7 uh, that mm -hmm. somebody had done a diesel conversion on, Ooh. And it was uh, it was a really nice Jeep, really nice diesel conversion. I, I saw two mm -hmm. problems. The the header uh, was about a uh, half an inch from one of the uh, shocks on the front, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and and several people mentioned that. How long is that shot gonna last? <laughs> mm. And the the other glaring thing that I'll I'll admit looked wonderful was a dark tinted front windshield. No, yeah, what? of course. <laughs> not, not the top, not the you know around the edges. The whole damn thing, you couldn't in, see in most. You couldn't see the person in the jeep with the top off. <laughs> Why? In, in most, I mean, you have in to most know the states, drive. Uh, uh, it's like it's like uh, on, I figured he forgets his sunglasses everywhere, so he just put it on the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been photoshopped. Yeah, who knows? No, he dropped. Uh, it's it, a video. You can see he, it was literally a, oh, a dark wow. tint. I mean, limo so tint. On every windshield, there is what's called the A one mark, and and there it's just there is a little A and number one and a little small arrow or a dash. And that's a line that comes down. It's always in the, in the upper left-hand corner of the windshield. And, uh, uh, and that is essentially the line of which any sort of, of gradient fade or tint or whatever can go to and beyond that no more. Um, and unless it's, you know, each state by state, there's different rules and regulations and all that. And in fact, you can actually get your doctor to prescribe you oh. if you've got a light sensitive, if you have a medically oh. prescribed, medically determined uh, light sensitivity issue, you can have, uh, you get a, get a doctor's prescription. Then you get this little certificate that you have to carry around with you uh, because the state patrol is going to, is definitely going to uh, want to talk to you. Um, but you can have the front windshield fully tinted. Now there is to a certain degree, again, there are legal limits to this. Um, but, uh, a friend of mine actually out here, he used to live in California. And if, if you live in California, you pretty much have to have your windows tinted. Um, same thing with, I'm sure Arizona, even parts of Texas, a lot of parts of the South, same thing. Um, but, uh, but he's a, he's a California transplant and, um, up here, uh, the Oregon state patrol is a little bit like tent Nazis and they don't like tent. 
and they they pulled him over multiple times. He just shows them his little card, and and they can go pound sand. So, but uh, but yeah, it's it's out there. It's, if if you want to do it, there's there's certainly means to get it done. So well, does, just, the, does that window tent uh, prescription also come with a marijuana rider, so you can actually do both of them at the <laughs> same time? <laughs> <laughs> no, Chong, here we come. I don't think it's or one, anything to one do requires with that, the other, no. or uh, I don't know. No, I was just going to no. clarify for California, they do not like tent, even though they do it. You get stopped all why, the time. If why would they allow that? Is that it just they don't like it because they can't see in the vehicle? Uh, so you may have a gun, they may have a gun pointing at them, and mm-hmm. uh, they're not aware of it until the flash goes off. Smile, you know, yeah. Or what, there could be six what, people in that just car. they tell you to and, get those kind of sunglasses? Well, 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 I just think the vehicle looks better and it's cooler. Uh, and I don't mean uh, like cool kids. I mean like uh, l- literally the sun is not as hot on you, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you with the window tint. Reduce, reduce the temp by I think maybe even 20 degrees uh, with the right kind of tint in, in certain temperatures. So uh, Makes the yeah. AC work better in your vehicle because now it's not having to fight that radiant heat. Uh, coming in through the uh, through the, right. the clear glass, it's it's a it's a real good thing. I personally would really like to have uh, a electronically adjustable window tint, like an LCD, if you will, film. Oh, where you that could, would be cool. Where, where you could adjust it on the dash. Exactly. Make that Come on, let's go. I think it's actually available now, but I, I thought about this a long time ago because you know, like, uh, hey, officer, I know you want to check my window tint. Oh, hang on, let me let me set it to to fuzz. Okay, go ahead. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it literally could be completely opaque uh, with uh, the LCD film and uh, they pull you over and you press a button and now it's no longer, uh, you know, no longer that. Where's their, where's their evidence? Mm -hmm. Like you Mm -hmm. said, Josh, pound sand, people need to be uh, able to have uh, the the freedom to do things. And I got an idea. Stop pulling people over for traffic violations. Oh, Seriously, minuscule traffic I'm going violations. Three miles an hour over the speed limit. Seriously, that's that's cause. No, no, it's not. I, I don't blame them for being concerned about you know uh, not being able to see in the vehicle. But you know, I have a uh, I, I, as a individual, I think I have a bit of a right for privacy myself. So, uh, like you know, s- stop making money off of uh, traffic uh, uh, violation fines. You know, do it some other way. Go. Uh, here, here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, that's really all what it's all about. These cops are being wasted on traffic violations when they come to the president. Tony for president, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Like, I'm going to share a story with you guys. <laughs> we were um, heading up uh, 395, which is part of California Highway, going north, and it was early in the morning, about five o'clock, and we we were pulling the trailer, the fifth wheel, and we've got the Chevy, and the t- the windows are tinted on the driver, passenger, and then the back, of course, and. So we're driving along and we see this uh, CHP officer has this guy pulled over that had raced by us earlier. You're like, hey, finally somebody caught up with him. You know, no big deal. Next thing we know, about half an hour later, here's that same CHP officer pulling us over. Bill's like, I don't understand. I drive the speed limit. What's the big deal? And the officer's like, tinted windows. Because <laughs> the driver and the passenger windows were tinted. And then he went on a shopping trip. And went around and checked every little detail he could to write it up. So it was a fix-it ticket, but we had to pull the tent off those two windows to be legal in California. Oh yeah, my well, God. for fifteen bucks, yeah. I'll pull that tent off and and retint it. I mean, that's uh, is this going to yeah. look nice? So, 
Yeah. Well, but fine. in California, if you get it once and then if you do it twice, the fine's higher, and I don't know what happens a third time. So they actually they shoot you on sight. Yeah, something like that. But I thought <laughs> it you know, is really, time to move. There's nobody Wendy. else on the highway at five in the morning. There's God nothing else Nazis. going on, and we're driving the speed limit. But hey, let's stop us and check that tent. Jeez. Well, at least yeah. they didn't make any money off of it. Well, we had to pay fines. Oh, I thought you said it was a fix-it ticket. I thought that was uh, it like, is. like here. In California, it's a fine. You show up. Here's your fine. Here's your. They they fine you for writing the ticket. They fine you for him having to drop the donut and stop you. <laughs> wow. They fine you for all oh, kinds man. of things. See, that's not the way it is here in Texas. You know, if you get pulled over and you uh, your your vehicle isn't inspected or something like that, they uh, they give you a ticket and you uh, you go to court and you show that you did it. And they dismiss the ticket. Although I think now they've changed it a bit, where you got to pay like ten bucks or something uh, on on top of it. But you know, if you can go a year and a half without a, a valid inspection, uh, that you're making money on, on that deal, uh, which I've done. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to live in a state where we don't have to deal with inspections. Uh, they're talking about getting rid of it here. However, uh, I think what they're going to do is move it over to the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety. So that means they'll be inspecting your vehicle out on the road. <laughs> so uh, another uh, another way of uh, getting uh, uh, finances to the, uh, the local government. Well, do you want to chime in on that topic or on this one? Uh, anything to add? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk. We'd sure love to hear what you have to say. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, in this episode, I wanted to talk about finding a place to get your Jeep serviced. At some point, you will need to get some work or service done on your Jeep. This may be regular maintenance like a lube, oil and filter, tires rotated, or maybe even some modifications and, and fabrication. Now, when you're new to Jeeping, you may not realize that there are some things to consider as owners of Jeeps beyond that of just a regular highway car. When you get an oil change in a Jeep, it's not just an oil change. Your service tech should be checking ball joints for wear, upper and lower control arm joints, drive shafts, U-joints, and any other working part of the suspension for wear and cracks and other signs of fatigue and greasing every spot where there is a grease fitting. Depending on the equipment you've added, there may be many. I know on our Jeep, there are around 20 spots that require grease. If you do any off-roading, your Jeep is subject to a much harsher working environment than just driving down the asphalt. Also, depending on how dusty your travels have been, it's a really good idea to have your air filter service more frequently, like maybe every oil change. But just how do you go about finding a place that you trust and that does good work or knows what they're doing? Here are a few things to look for when deciding what needs to be done and by whom. Now, the first and maybe the most fun is the do-it-yourselfer. If you're a mechanical kind of person or a gearhead, then by all means, do it yourself. It's fun to tinker, and it's always good to really know and understand your Jeep. My husband is particular with our Jeep, and after every run, he inspects underneath, tightens bolts that may have come loose, and checks to see if there's any wear and tear that needs attention. We also power wash the rig to make sure dirt is clear of moving parts, and it's a good way to look for cracks and fatigue while you're cleaning them. Now, the do-it-yourselfer will need the correct tools. And if you don't have what you need, you may have to weigh the price of purchasing those tools and having it done by somebody else. But remember, you only have to buy the tools once, and they're good to have on the trail. Another thing to consider doing it yourself is what space do you have to work on the Jeep? Are you on pavement or dirt? Do you really care? 
But this may be an issue if you're trying to get underneath your Jeep in the dirt or on the rocks. I think any do-it-yourself skills are probably the best. You know your Jeep, you've been there, and you can hear and know when something isn't quite right. Like just this week, we were on a trail, and there was a clunking sound coming from the rear. Now, when isn't there a rattle or a clunk on a Jeep, really? Uh, and Bill says, sounds like a shock coming loose. Sure enough, he got underneath, spotted that a bolt had come out at the top, and he simply replaced it on the trail. If you're working on your Jeep at home, it's a lot easier for trail repairs when you're familiar with your own Jeep. And on a side note, it's always a good idea to have a good selection of the most common size bolts and nuts. Now, another way to get your Jeep serviced is to phone a friend. You know, the one with all the tools and expertise. Now, this is an option if you're not sure what you're doing and with guidance, you can learn. I think gearheads love to talk. I'm sorry, I think gearheads love to work on cars, Jeeps, and having someone else to share that passion with is probably what drives most of you to tinker. Only concern here is, does that friend know what they're doing? This is something that may be a trial and error on your part. Did they do a good job or didn't they? Only time will tell and hopefully you weren't on a remote trail. But if you are, hopefully that friend is there and with you to fix the problem that they may have helped create. And I hope it's not too expensive. Now, the third and probably best option for a beginner is to find a quality shop to take your Jeep to. But how do you know what shop is quality? How do you know they know what they're doing? If you don't have a referral, you need to do some homework. Check out Yelp reviews and ask the group that you're Jeeping with if they've used that shop and for what. Not all shops are created equal and lots have great intentions, but their staff, that's the people working on the Jeeps, may not have the skill set or experience to do a proper job. Just because they install a lot of lift kits or bumpers or lights does not mean they understand the mechanics of how things actually work and how best to maintain them. Have you checked out how and what they fabricate? If the shop has a fabricator on site, chances are they have a good idea how things work uh, versus just installing parts that came in a box with a set of instructions. Now, these kinds of shops will typically know what to look for while servicing your Jeep. If it's just a shop that does quick oil chains, for example, move along. Jeeps need and require regular and specific maintenance with oil and lube with an eye towards what's broken or about to break. Now here in Southern California, we're pretty lucky. I think we have one of the most premier Jeep shops in California called All J Products. They've been servicing Jeeps from all over Southern California for the past 40 years. Quinn and Heather Thomas have been working on all Jeep models and know all there is to building from the ground up, custom fabrications to servicing and maintaining Jeeps. Their knowledge is extensive, and they are great to suggest upgrades when you're ready. I love that we that I love that they are always working on something, and of course, always have suggestions for adding to our wish list. It's pretty common that when we get the Jeep service, Bill comes back with, "Hey, guess what we can do to the Jeep next?" And all I hear is dollar signs. <laughs> now, p- picking a shop can be a hit or miss too. If you can't get a referral or find one close to you, you may be limited. Keep in mind that people you ask are always willing to suggest where they have gone because they went there. We have a number of shops in the Southern California area that are popular, but not necessarily good. And of course, it all comes down to the actual tech doing the work. There is always learning through YouTube or videos online, but I think I would recommend phone a friend with experience that you trust before attempting something beyond basic maintenance if a shop isn't an option. However, if you're a gearhead, this could be a fun way to spend a weekend or two. So guys, what's your preference on basic maintenance for your Jeep? Do you do it yourself? Do you phone a friend, maybe a street shout out, or do you use a shop? All of Josh's friends call him. That's true. (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) Quit calling me. 
<laughs> you are no, the phone I, friend. <laughs> I am the yeah, I'm the resident Jeep guy. So I'm the one that gets the call. Yeah, I do it myself. I, I mentioned earlier, uh, I just don't trust people uh, to do things to my Jeep. Uh, there's a, a very small uh, set of individuals that do. And, of course, that's why I want to be able to weld myself because um, it, my welds might be crappy, but at least they're my welds and I can go back and redo it if necessary. How about you? Josh, you're doing it yourself probably, right? I really am a, a do-it-yourself kind of guy. I kind of always have been. I mean, it started when I was a kid taking apart, you know, VCRs and radios and stuff and, and just learning how stuff works. And, and it, it just, it's been all my life. And, and I've, I've worked on all my rigs, unless it's something to do with either gears or transmission. Uh, when it comes to that right. sort of stuff, I mean, mm-hmm. part of it, I don't have the specialty tools that are honestly required half the time that you're doing transmission or, or gear work. And, and, and besides, um, when you're dealing with stuff like that, you really need to know exactly what you're doing. And, and just agree. following a manual isn't going to cut it. And, and so mm-hmm. when it comes to that sort of stuff, I'd rather just leave it to the professionals. I'd rather leave it to somebody who knows what they're doing inside and out uh, than risk grenading my differential or transmission um, on the trail or on the freeway, risking my life and others uh, just because I wanted to save a buck. Um, right. Now, with oil changes, routine maintenance, um, even you know general mechanical work, uh, no, I'm always doing it myself because I know what I'm doing. Uh, and of course, I do it for others too. I did it for a living for a little while, so you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's just well, I've got the tools, I've got the know-how. It really so is all about uh, experience and and success. Yes. I mean, if you have the experience, if you've if you've rebuilt your di- differential or you know replaced the the ring and pinion seals and stuff, and it worked out for you, uh, then you're not going to be as timid. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. I found out about myself. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I can I can see that. Uh, no, I'm the same way as Josh. I don't want to do anything with the automatic transmission, other than maybe changing out solenoids and doing uh, fluid changes, uh, and uh, definitely don't want to do any dif- differential work. I mean, I do. I just don't feel comfortable. Yeah, and and for us, uh, Bill's very skilled at doing all that, but there's a point where he just says, you know what, they have the lift, it's easier for them to get underneath it, and so he takes it to the shop for certain things, certainly modifications and stuff like that, so how about you, Tammy? So, so I like to use a little bit of everything. I have a shop, well, I used to have a shop that I trusted um, in Maryland, Adrenaline Off-Road, very experienced Jeep guy. Um... I like to work on it myself for the easy things. And for all my recalls, I go to the Jeep dealer. So I'm a little bit of everything. And now um, I have Neil and he's teaching me how to do these things. So hopefully one day I'll be able to do it all myself. Yeah, that's really cool. I think for myself too, I like to watch and learn. Um, Bill's really good at, you know, sort of explaining things as he goes. And I learned as a kid, I used to do oil changes and all kinds of stuff on cars with my dad, but you get away from it and you forget some of those things. So it's been nice to be able to bring that back. But I think it's a really good thing. And we'd love to hear from the listeners too. What do you guys prefer? You know, maybe you're doing something different too. So if you want more information, check out our YouTube channel on Jeep 4-41. More tips, tricks, and techniques. I feel the I feel bad for the folks that are living in apartment complexes because that really uh, makes it difficult to to work on your vehicles. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they really frown on that uh, too, I believe. Oh, I'm Depends sure. On yeah. the asso- like a homeowners association probably says, "Nope, no working on vehicles." But some of them, I think you can. Well, yeah, and I mean, generally, you've you know, you've got uh, a friend, a buddy who's got a house, a driveway, you know, something like that, to where you can, you know, hey, man, I need your driveway for the weekend. Uh, something. I mean, that's how I installed one of the oh, first yeah. lift kits on a Jeep. Honestly, was was in my buddy's driveway because 
the apartment complex I was living in at the time uh, did not allow you to work on your vehicle. So yeah, it's it you know you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah and That's as so much cool. money as they spend, I mean, as much money as they charge for apartments these days, it's horrible. Mm. I wish. I mean, I know there's liabilities uh, that that you have it that would be involved because you don't know the uh, the skill sets of people. But I really wish there was places like garages. Uh, the military has stuff like this. I remember Dan over at the Four by Four podcast. They uh, they had a, a a a shop where you could go and put your vehicle up on a lift and work on your stuff. If you know, if you were part of the army. Oh. And, That's kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. And he would take his, his uh, uh, Cherokee over there and put it on the lift. And they had, there was tools and everything there that, you know, I guess was government paid for. And um, that was, uh, I wish there was something like that for civilians. But There uh, is. How many people uh, would get squashed? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I there, there are. to go up. Yeah, there there are a couple of you know rent garage space uh, places out here to where um, interesting y- yeah, uh, but it is extremely expensive, uh, and, and it's it's pretty much directed at the kind of a I'm a shop owner. I've got a four bay shop. I've got six vehicles due this week, and there's no way I can get to them oh. all. So I'm going to send one of my guys over here with his tools because I can rent this place. It's got a lift, and got and it. so you, it's pretty much just a lift and a bay, and and but you know if if you don't have a garage, um, or you know you, you're out you of space, need, you, or you're doing something to where you know a lift would really make this a lot easier, um, yeah, or you're out of space, you know something like that. Then there there are alternatives out there. Whether or not they're available in your town or even in your state, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean that was definitely a military thing that has gone into the civilian market. To a certain extent, you're probably going to have to do, you know, some Google Foo. Uh, it may be a three-hour drive, you know, so it might not be practical for you, but they are out there. Yeah, I just wish there was more of it. Uh, if I ever get to be a billionaire, I'll uh, I'll set one of those things up and quickly become yeah. a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and just a reminder to all those newbies, whether you're new to owning a Jeep or whatever, this might be a trial and error where you have to check out a few shops until you can figure out what it is that you need and and learn, but definitely ask around the people you're jeeping with too, so that you can mm-hmm, yeah. not have to go through too many of those trial and errors. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And I, I got to say thank you, Tony, for plugging my podcast last week 10 minute off road podcast featuring me, Nikki G. Oddly enough, it's only about seven minutes long because that's the kind of shenanigans you expect from Nikki G. And I got to hand it to you guys. Uh, creating a podcast is tough. I figured if Josh could do it, anybody could do it. But <laughs> it's hard talking to myself for seven minutes. Well, no, it's, it's really not. It's, it's hard to be interesting for seven minutes. That's not why I'm calling. I'm calling today because I have a question. If I eat pasta and anti-pasta at the same time, would I still be hungry? Yeah, I know. That's not a good one. Let's go with joke number uh, 117. How come cats' butts go up when you pet them? And that's not a good one because I don't really, don't really want to know the answer to that either. Let's go with joke number 123. If you steal a clean slate, does it go on your record? Yeah. All right. That, that's the winner. All right, boys and girls. I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. Only oh, if you're with, caught. <laughs> with winning like that, who needs losing? <laughs>
Josh, he always picks on you. What, what's what's the deal there? I don't know, man. I've done nothing but but treat him good. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to uh, have to hit him up. I'm sending him an invoice. Uh, I'm missing three minutes of podcast. So that's right. Uh, yeah, I signed up for a ten minute podcast. Only got seven. <laughs> I think he's on uh, episode four now. So uh, in the next uh, two weeks, he should have an hour's worth of uh, podcast. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. A nice short uh, podcast that uh, you can uh, listen into uh, as a, uh, uh, I guess, a, like a palate cleanser between podcasts. Well, it's like that uh, that new, um, uh, you know, quick uh, video streaming service that just uh, that just popped up. YouTube? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's like this uh, subscription service, and and it's like they um, uh, all they do is is like you know little five or ten minute videos of of movies and TV shows and whatnot, but you kind of get the gist of what the show was all about or what that episode was all about or what the movie was all about. It's for people who are, you know, on the go, who don't have time to watch a full movie or a full show, but kind of want to stay up to date, you know, with what's going on around the water cooler talk, you know, that sort of stuff. And, and so you can kind of, uh, I'm just brain farting all over on this thing. And it's, but it's, uh, it just released here in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, uh, but it's like these little tiny little mini videos and, and I don't know, it reminds me of Nikki G and, and I think he might be onto something. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Now, we mentioned the A pillar a couple of times earlier, talking about, you know, windows, window tinting and stuff like that, uh, the, the A1 mark. And in fact, that A pillar is a long lost area of prime real estate in Jeeps and many vehicles, in fact. And for years, the aftermarket has been making accessories for that part of the vehicle that rests between the windshield and the door frame. Uh, that is what is the A pillar. Uh, it's a great location for things like switches, gauges, or even small displays. Uh, not to mention it's the perfect place for a grab handle, too. Having switches for auxiliary lighting or other accessories on the A-pillar as opposed to near the shifter makes them a lot easier to access so you won't have to fumble around to get past the shifters while on the road or out on the trail to actuate that switch. Now, cutting or alteration to the stock interior is needed for this install. The switch pod is textured to match the interior of, for, for in the case of this one, the 2011 through 2018 JKs and JKUs and has pre-molded cutouts to mount four different rocker switches. This kit comes with four rocker switches in addition to the switch pod itself. Uh, the switches are one blue, one red, one orange, and one green. Of course, I'm sure if you call them, you could probably uh, get them all in one color. Um, and of course, um, if you want to match the switches to something you already have or want a different kind of switch than what this particular kit comes with, then they do offer a version that does not come with any switches for about half the price. Rugged Ridge also backs this kit with a three-year limited warranty. What do you guys think about this? Uh, switches on the A-pillar. Uh, thing for you? Maybe not for you? I don't, I don't know. I think it should look like a 747 cockpit in my gym. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> More switches, lights, displays, and blinking things, all the better. Oh, God, yes. I just love all you that know, stuff. I'm, for us, we have a... Bill actually does a, found a place that does custom switches. So, like, we have a fan in the back for the dog, so it says dog fan, and, you know, it says the front lights or top lights, so he's actually got them custom, and then they light up at night, so they're lit. You can see them easier when you're driving at night. You know, if, uh, no, that's if Bill was thinking, he could actually uh, toggle, put that switch on uh, a couple of things and actually have it pay, uh, play a, a dog patting its paws together. <laughs> yeah. You know, anytime they tell <laughs> the be- dog fan, you know. <laughs> turn it on, turn it on, come on, I'm hot. 
No, it's actually one of the uh, the complaints. There's over uh, several hundred reviews uh, about these things, and this has an average of a 4.5 star rating. So a lot of people do like this thing. Uh, but the one complaint that I have seen uh, that pop up over and over again is if you do get the switch, uh, the, the 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 kit that comes with the switches, the switches are only illuminated in the on position. Uh, meaning if you um, don't remember oh, where the switches are or yeah. which switch is in which location uh, in the middle of the night when you might need the switches the most, um, then you know they're not that kind of a switch. So um, it, it might be a means to an end, but just know that uh, these switches are not illuminated and uh, and so they, they won't be on all the time as far as that goes. So um, I personally love... Uh, the, like the Carling switches, um, yeah, and they're just the, the the ubiquitous you know Jeep rocker switch uh, that just you know you can flick it a million times and, and nothing bad's going to happen to it. Uh, and, and I prefer that style because uh, they're illuminated and and you can get custom um, silk screening for them and, and you know custom stickers overlays and and you know make them you know say dog fan or you know zombie guns or zombie, you know, whatever zombie lights zombie decapitation. <laughs> uh, that sort of stuff. So, you know, th- those are the kind of switches that I would use uh, in this kit. And obviously, those switches are a lot, you know, more. You're going to spend more for, you know, the ultimately at the in the end. But uh, but it's nice that they offer this kit without switches in the event that you want to go down that road. Now, Tammy, uh, you've got a 2015 Rubicon that had a bunch of spare switches, uh, I think, on, on yours. You don't have any additional switches, do you? Um, in the center, there are... There's two that are empty just in the center, you know, down by the heated seat button that I have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you um, used one of them for your then, your pot A-pillar lights, didn't you? Um, no, actually, the A-pillar lights has just an on-off button switch that um, I just have it strung through the dash. Oh, so you actually added the there. switch. So something like this might be, a, yeah. might be a good thing for you. Oh, yeah. And then I also had my Lux lights, the magnet lights, my rock lights. And that switch I brought up up by the A-pillar, and I just never got around to putting one of those in. Um, oh, well, this is this, will, this would work out for you. It's a good, good convenient location. Too. Yeah. Except for the last time I went off-roading in um, Kingman, I cut, severed one of the wires for those rock lights. So we had to tear them all out. We'll probably have to... Um, solder the wires together, put them back in, and then get one of those so I can put my A-pillar lights and my Lux lights and my invisibility mode. Yeah, well, um, you know, if you, if you get one I of these things, that. please let us know. We'd like to see some uh, some pictures, too. Yeah, definitely. Now, you must have a set of these A-pillar switch pods for yourself or your own Jeep. We're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com. Look for the link in the show notes for episode 435. We will have the link for both the, uh, the the kit that comes with the switches as well as the kit without the switches so you can choose for yourself. We are not legally meeting here. Uh, if, if anybody asks, I was not here. Well, we're less than 10, so I think we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're about the right distance, so we're good. You know, they say that uh, April showers bring May flowers, and it also brings snow melt and other things, which uh, inevitably end up meaning more water coming down the mountain than uh, it ordinarily is, uh, at least during the summer and our normal wheeling season, uh, if you will. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but uh, 
I'm I'm not a big fan of having to cross over those big you know those those streams and, and stuff like that. I'm not I'm not a water crossing fan. Um, and now Tony, mm-hmm. I know that that you get a lot of rain in Texas. I I live in a very rainy part of the uh, of the uh, of the United States as well. Up here in the Pacific Northwest, we see uh, quite a substantial amount of rain. Uh, not the eleven inches in an afternoon that Tony will see, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we see a lot of rain as well. Now, Tony, I know that you outfitted your Jeep with a snorkel specifically because I mean that was one of the main reasons you bought your Jeep was to get out of a dangerous situation where you might be encountered with a flood or a um, a levee breaking or, you know, something like that, where you're going to have to navigate deep water. You're set up for that sort of thing. Um, I'm not really set up that way. Uh, you know, granted we get a lot of rain here. I see a lot of water, see a lot of mud. Um, but you know, my Jeep's more set up for rocks. Um, I, I'm not into that deep water crossing stuff. Um, I know a guy who's, uh, who's just anti-water. I mean, he's like the wicked witch of the West, mm-hmm. uh, gets near the water and his Jeep just starts <laughs> melting. Uh, you know, no, we, there was <laughs> exactly. a couple times where we ended up in, in some deep ruts through this one trail. Uh, when he got home, he told me he spent the rest of the weekend, uh, cleaning out his axle tubes just because he was nervous about it. And I was just like, man, oh, I think you went gosh. a little, little too far there, buddy. But, uh, but whatever, you know, more power to you now. So are you like a Navy SEAL? You know, where's my goggles? Are you, are you the, are you the wicked witch of the West where, you know, it's no, my Jeep's going to melt. Um, and uh, you're asking where the bridge is at. So I'm going to turn to our listeners and, and find out uh, you know, where you guys are, are, are in all this. Are, are you more of a, of a frog? Are you down to get that Jeep into the water, get those axles submerged? Or, or do you want to kind of keep it dry? Uh, where, where do you stand on this, Jerry? How, where, where do you fall on that? Well, the, the park that um, I frequent so often has uh, well, it's got some creeks and it's got a, a river. And, and so sometimes it's kind of unavoidable if you're, if you're going to, do much wheeling out there. I mean, you can avoid it, but, um, you know, I guess I'm, I'm right in the middle of that. So, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't really care for the super deep stuff because I, you know, I worry about hydro locking the engine quite honestly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, it, it, I've ruined starters before, um, stuff like that. And I'm always changing differential fluid. I've got, a, you know, a pump, uh, a five gallon bucket and, you know, I change it so often. So, I I'm, I think I'm in the middle. That's where my vote is. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. It's one of those things to where, you know, sometimes it's necessary, uh, but you'll you'll try and pick the line to where you kind of keep up up higher in the water if you can. Uh, I try and avoid the deep stuff, too, uh, for the same reasons. It, you know, it just ends up uh, involving a lot more maintenance than you ordinarily otherwise would have to deal with. Um, let's turn to another one of our listeners, Chris. Chris, where do you fall? Are you, are you more of like a Navy SEAL or are you more like a Wicked Witch of the West? Where do you are you are you avoiding the water or are you diving deep in? Um, diving deep in for the most part. Um, I like to uh, maybe not be the first one in. Uh, I had a bad experience <laughs> many many idea. years ago. You go first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm right behind you. Um, my YJ many years ago uh, was trying to find a spot in an off-road park. We'd been there in the winter. Everything was frozen, uh, back in the sp- come back in the spring. And I sunk my YJ pretty good and uh, was stuck for about an hour, got it out, pulled the plugs, didn't hydrolock, didn't damage anything. But uh, it was a five-speed and got out of the park and got back on the freeway and noticed pretty quickly the revs were going up faster than the vehicle speed and uh, I toasted the clutch. I got home, no problem. Uh, but uh, yeah, pulled the, uh, yeah, torched the clutch, basically, in the water is uh, 
all I can think that happens. So I'm a little apprehensive. I drive a six-speed JK now, so I'm just still apprehensive, but always feel like I have something to prove, and that's probably the stupid way of looking at it. That's, that's where I stand. <laughs> that's a manly that man way of looking yeah, at right? it. Right? Isn't that true with a lot of us Jeepers, though? It's like, no, I know I've tried this obstacle three times and it failed. I've, I've got a couple more in me. I've got to do this. You know? so, yeah, it's no, just I'm, a child, I'm childhood thing I've got to, I've got to conquer. Yeah. I got to do no, it. Well, that's, I mean, that's part of, uh, you know, owning a Jeep. It's like, I know that I'm capable. I know this vehicle is capable of doing this. I, I, I know that if I just pick the right line that I can get this vehicle through this obstacle. Uh, it's all there is to it, you know, but for some reason, you know, Mother Nature is just fighting you. You can't find the right line. The vehicle's not cooperating. You know, weather has turned to crap and whatever. And you just you can't make it. It gets frustrating and stuff. So, yeah, man, I, I know it's, it's, it's a little bit of a Jeeper pride, if you will, if nothing else. So what about Jared? Uh, Jared, uh, where do you fall with your Jeep? Are, are you are you are you getting it muddy? Are you getting it wet? Or are you keeping it dry? Uh, I definitely get it wet. I'm not purposely seeking it out though, but I don't avoid it. So we do a decent amount of river crossings here in Utah, and so every once in a while, you know, that's where the trail goes, and and I'm going to take it on. But I don't typically go and seek it out just because of everything that everyone else has mentioned. It gets super muddy. I always try to walk it first because sometimes if, especially like with spring, we all have spring runoff and rivers can change from being, you know, six inches deep to six feet deep. So you want to, you know, we we'll usually do a little research before and see how deep it's going to be online. And then usually I'll walk it as well. So especially since I'm walking it, I don't love to get out and get all wet, but it saves from hydro locking and things like that. So, uh, Jared, I think I read recently that uh, Utah is opening the trails back up. Any information on that? Yeah, the the entire state is now open. Moab opens tomorrow. So Moab and the area (laughs) around Moab has been the last place to open. Um, But they announced uh, either today or yesterday that they're going to be opening um, as of tomorrow. So we've been, we, we haven't had a, like, stay in place order it's just been like a recommendation so as long as you are keeping some social distancing the only place where they've been really really hardcore about it is in moab um and and tammy kind of talked about that with her previous experience a few weeks ago and so a big part of that is i think they're really worried about outsiders coming into moab that might have the virus and then overrunning yeah like overrunning the small hospital so Anyways, the but, uh, but it's nice. I was I was out last weekend, kind of in the Hanksville area, which is about an hour away from Moab, and there's tons of awesome trails around through there with the family. So lots of exploring still to do outside of Moab. So is it open for people outside of the state? So people from other states can come there now. My understanding is yes, but I would double check and just make sure that there's not like some right. weird restriction on out of staters. But I'm pretty, from what I read, it's open to anyone. They're opening, um, the entire state's opening back up restaurants and stuff. There's going to be a lot more rules, like you got to be more spread apart and different things like that. But they're really right. trying to get people back to work and get people back, you know, exploring and, and kind of boosting up the economy. So, Tammy, don't just rush over there and when the trooper know, pulls I'm you going, over, say, well, Jared said. I know. <laughs> no, and the, the sheriff's deputy who, who asked us to leave the land, that's exactly what he said. They didn't want people to clog up their hospital beds. San Juan County only had five beds in the whole hospital. So, um, we understood and we left and we knew we would 
be able to come back one day. So, well, the day has come, Tammy. Yep, I gotta sign off now, Tony. We're we're heading out. Bye. <laughs> yeah, right. loading up as we. She's stay. she's actually already on the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Good times. Well, that is very good news. I wasn't expecting to to hear that around the campfire side chat tonight. So that is that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, very thanks, Jared, for for sharing that. Uh, I'm sure that is very welcome news for a lot of jeepers. Oh, out there. business owners there as well. You know, it's oh, gonna be yeah right. A bit of hope. Yeah, I know. I people have been posting all over, like, "Hey, we're open. Please come see us." <laughs> yeah, really. All right, so Tony, I know that your Jeep is is very well equipped for the the wetness, and I mean, you got the snorkel on there for 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 F's sake. I mean, you're you're all set up for the deep water uh, crossings. Is, is that something that you would you would try and avoid, or you, oh. know, knowing that you're all set up for it, uh, you're you're going you're going all in? Avoid it like the plague. There is uh, no way I want water in my precious Jeep. Uh, it is a, a daily driver. It is a one owner vehicle, and uh, the, uh, the 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 snorkel is there for one reason, cheap insurance, because it's a lot cheaper and a lot less time consuming uh, having a snorkel and not hydrolocking the engine mm-hmm. than having to you know, basically rebuild. And you may not even have a block after the hydrolock. It, it could actually poke a rod out the side. So sure. you, you really could be in a, a lot of world of hurt. And, you know, I'm really surprised there's a lot of negative connotations uh, to people having snorkels on their vehicles. They... Uh, if people just jump in there with, uh, both feet and, uh, you know, fangs out, uh, you know, well, that doesn't mean that you, you've, uh, protected your transmission. It doesn't mean you've protected your differentials. There's a lot more to it than just putting the snorkel on and I'm going, yeah, yeah, it does. It makes all that makes sense. I haven't done that yet, but I try to avoid the water. And really the primary reason for that snorkel being on there isn't to be able to drive a thousand miles. It's just to yeah. be able to get myself and my family through a situation I did not want to be in and, and not have the vehicle stop in the middle of the deep water and have to do a rescue of, of uh, the family from the vehicle. At least, But if, you've, you've seen some deep water there in time. You've, yeah, I mean, but it's I've been like two you, feet. You, it, you know, it's just been like two feet. My Jeep is taller. Uh, I mean, the bottom of the Jeep is, is two feet up. So uh, just the lift wow. uh, allows me to, to go through a lot of high water. I mean... For the snorkel to be of use, it would have to be above the hood. And I ain't driving in stuff above the hood. Uh, my my no. headlights don't work bright enough. Yeah, really, right? <laughs> it's not a James <laughs> Bond uh, vehicle here. It's not a, a submarine Jeep. Uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I do I like you. it, though. I think it's so cool to be able to be in a vehicle that doesn't sputter. It doesn't stop. It just goes. It's, it's exactly what you want a four-wheel drive to be. It, you can get through so many things. And I know you can't go through anything, but at, at that moment, you think this thing can go anywhere. And it's so, it's such an empowering feeling. I mentioned it last week, I believe, about it's like having superhero powers uh, because you have something that other people don't have. That's right. Now, Tammy, I, I don't think that your Jeep is set up with a snorkel, is it? No, it's not. Um I don't think I would want to cut another hole in my Jeep. I always have problems with that. <laughs> that is tough. That is There's really that tough. That, that is yeah. a big asshole you got to cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate the water. Um, the water I grew up wheeling on, I guess you could say, so to speak, was in Roush Creek. And it's, you know, on the trails and big, huge puddles. And you don't know what's in the water, what's under the water, what rocks are there. 
And I've seen people go tearing through there and they've just ripped the crap out of the bottom of their Jeeps. So yeah, I don't like yeah. the water just because of what you could hit in the water. So I avoid it like the plague. I'm going to put a fish finder on my uh, my Jeep, and if I see fish on the uh, on the display, I know it's too deep. The sounding unit in the floors. <laughs> One ping. And I would never, ever, ever walk the water. Like, oh, I know. Um, Thank Oh, no way. I don't, there could be frogs or... Oh, my God, the frogs. Knows what it, oh, no. No, no, no. Wow. Not not down with the frogs, huh, Tammy? <laughs> I think that's a uh, no. no. I'm she gets yeah. outside. She doesn't so, like the height. She doesn't people, like the water. Now the frogs. It's just, I know. Yeah. Emmy needs to be inside. I'm a big <laughs> Some people, you know, not you Neil know goes, the, the river snakes, even, uh, piranha, Neil, you know, whatever. Tammy, it's uh, the yeah. frogs. <laughs> he goes, do you even like to wheel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, this explains the mild trails now. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you guys see the thing about the uh, the piranha? You, you, you mentioned that, and uh, it was a little meme that said, uh, did you know a, a a child can be devoured by a, a school of piranha in 30 minutes? And this is how I lost my job oh. at the aquarium. Oh, <laughs> oh. Oops, oh, man. There's probably that some people now deep. thinking, hmm, that might work. Okay. Not a petting zoo. Now, Wendy, uh, what about you guys? You got, you guys have a snorkel on the Jeep? Or are, you, are you set up for water crossings at all, or, or is it just uh, one think, of those things where it's... I think if we had a snorkel, they'd be laughing at us. First off, yeah. Southern California doesn't have any water, right? We have no yeah, water. Right. So, uh, But occasionally, we get some creeks or some runoff, um, so there's a little bit, but it's not even enough to even qualify as water, so we don't worry about that kind of stuff i don't think personally i would be doing the snorkel or like tony saying going too deep i, I just don't think i would be one to do that i don't want water in the jeep i don't want to have to clean it afterwards so i'd probably avoid yeah, I mean, it if i had that option i mean you're, if you're like wendy and you got to drive 12 hours to get to wet terrain <laughs> to uh, you know it's yeah it, it's probably one of those things to where yeah it's it's you're never ever gonna see the uh, water crossing well, i'll never say never i know yeah. it'll happen it's, suppose <laughs> but flash flood and cheap insurance but that's what it is that's i suppose that's what it comes down to i mean a snorkel kit's what you know 300 bucks for a, for a you know a top end one um and to replace an engine is going to be a factor of 10 uh from that so yeah, yeah. so yeah i think it's a no-brainer on, on on that uh as as to as to whether or not you equip yourself i mean it's a regional thing of course but uh uh, you know, I don't well, know. Some of us have some places are far more likely to 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 need well, sure. something like that. I mean, well, yeah, I, like, I've never needed the snorkel, uh, but I mean, other than if you want a cold air intake, that. that's going to be a cold air intake much more so than something that's inside the hood. Uh, <laughs> that never made any sense to me. Uh, but uh, so there's there's other alternatives to that, and also too, they were originally designed to get up and out of the dust whenever uh, you were out in like in a trail of uh, other vehicles. Uh, to get up into the clean air. So there's other advantages to it than just uh, uh, being not hydrolocking the engine. There you go. So, you know, are you uh, are you all about the snorkel or not so much? I, I think they look pretty good on their, on a rig as well. And uh, But, you know, maybe if you're wheeling with Wendy, you don't want to get laughed at. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just one of those things is personal preference. Always glad to have our listeners join in, and we certainly want to have you join in on the Campfire Side chat, too. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. We're doing this every week, so make sure that you are uh, signed up or following us on Facebook. That's where we're going to put out the uh, the notifications and the reminders 
uh, send out the links and all that sort of stuff. So if you're uh, if you're not friending us on Facebook, yeah, we might want to link up now. Oh, what the heck is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Hey, Jeeper. In case you forgot, well, I'm Mitch, and I'm what they call an essential worker. Today is the 30th of April, 2020, and it's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. Since most of the country is locked down due to a global situation, I figured we would cruise topless in places to look at things. First, we start in Memphis, Tennessee a city known for rock and blues music. Here will be partly cloudy all weekend with 79 today, 82 tomorrow, and 80 on Sunday. Next, social distance correctly with a buddy out in Elkins, Arkansas. Near some trails and in a state not mentioned often, cloudy again all weekend, but today is 81, tomorrow 84, and Sunday more 81. Maybe you just need to get away from everyone and quarantining with your family is driving you crazy. Well, look no further than Gorman, California. Gorman is right in the middle of the Transverse Mountain Range amongst several off-road trails. Today, windy at 69 and sunny tomorrow and Sunday at 70 and 69 degrees. Don't forget to use the hashtag Jeep Talk Show on social media for us to see those pictures. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather in an upcoming episode, go to jeeptalkshow.com contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. Again, I'm back. And it's always a great weekend to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. Now, last week we heard that events are starting to be rescheduled and are starting to come around. So we're going to be posting up events here in the coming weeks uh, on the JeepTalkShow.com website. Uh, so make sure you're ha- having having yourself pop over there often and uh, seeing what we have as far as events that are going to be happening here this summer. That's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to reply to our Facebook or Twitter posts. You're 37% less likely to catch something than by talking to Tony in person. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. I said, I don't care if I'm wearing a mask and you have a glove on. I especially don't care if you, how long you've washed it, what kind of hand sanitizer you dipped it in, or how much you scrubbed it with what percentage of rubbing alcohol. I'm still not pulling your finger. <laughs> Dad's having to resort to pulling their own finger during shelter in place. <laughs> All I've guessing since 2010.